Today on Talk About That, John gets hauled into a parent-teacher meeting over saggy pants. Meanwhile, I pick the absolute wrong person to sing to at a show and start a hip-hop group in Bolivia. Also, a conversation about altered memories and the tendency to make ourselves the hero of our own stories. Today's episode is not sponsored by Frontier Airlines. Flights start at $39. Seatbelts cost extra. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Let's go. It's another Monday. That means it's time for Talk About That. I'm your host, Johnny. Here, as always, with my co-host, John. Hey, that was good, man. You like that? That was a good intro. Yeah. I don't know. You're a natural. We take it again. (laughs) I want to know, I wonder if the audience feels that your enthusiasm... No. They don't feel. You don't think they... I think I'm kind of like the... I'm the guy who sits back and waits for you to say something dumb, and I can comment on it. So I don't want to put myself out there. <laughs> you get a lot of opportunities. <laughs> There's I'm, a lot yeah. of dumb things that I say. No, I just, yeah. So when I'm when you start, I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I noticed, by the way, yeah. that I'm wearing the same shirt this week as last week. I think about that sometimes, too, yeah. that I have, like, I've got a rotation, and yeah. I'm like, what if it happens to fall on the same day? And it's like, these guys just sit in a room and film. Does Johnny have another shirt? <laughs> Well, at first I was worried because you were wearing a black shirt last week, yeah. and it had a white sort of graphic like that, but uh-huh. it's different. Yeah. But when these clips come out, they're going to look very similar to last week. So. No, nobody cares, John. No. They care about the quality content yeah. and the words that are coming out of our mouths. Well, there's a lot of people that watch the clips. Like if you see the Yeah, the they reels. have been. Yeah, there's, you know, usually the one this, one, this, one, this morning had 2,700 views immediately. You know what I'm saying? There's Thousands a, and... Guys, we're winning. It's uh, fine. It's okay. It's, um, no, it's thanks for watching. And thanks for got to share those if they're not. It would be very helpful. By the way, if you wanted to listen to all of the archived episodes, go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Mm. We usually wait till the end, but then people have already fast-forwarded and they're done. Right. So I snuck in an ad for good. the show that you're already listening to. But I've just been telling people, like, if this is your first listen, you can listen to all the episodes for free. So, you know, we Where you have, get your a podcasts. lot of you are doing it. You're going back to the archives because our downloads were pretty high with one less episode. I wonder what our most listened to episode. Have you ever looked for that? I have. What is it? I'm afraid. I don't recall, but I have the data. It's not like controversial or anything? Because sometimes we handle uh, something. I don't think so. Okay. I don't it's think so. It's probably the silliest one. There, yeah. We get silly sometimes. Occasionally. At what age is it okay not to be silly anymore? I think about that as a comedian because it's like I think there's there's the old thing about I went to my mom and I told her I want to be a comedian when I grow up and she said sweetie you can't have it both ways so it's like sometimes <laughs> nice. you do a job to keep from growing up yeah which is a lot of people would say that I'm deflecting I, I don't want to get old but I just wonder like is there a limit to when you can be silly like obviously when you have kids it gives you that that opportunity to be silly it's an excuse to play with toys again yeah I see grown-ups doing that yeah, I got my son some Legos. It's like, you played with Legos for six hours, and that was being a father for the day. But yeah. you wanted to play with Legos. And that's cool. That's so awesome. But I think you get to a certain age where people just go, be serious. Like, you're told by society, be serious. I don't know if you're told by society. I feel like life calls for it. 
Yeah. Like you're trying to make – when you're trying to advance like your family's security, stability, your planning. For me, it's all about the planning. It's, you know, and just the running around to make it all work. Yeah. It is hard. It's hard to be silly. I told you whenever I was kind of interim youth pastor there while we were doing our search before we hired Jake and Abby, I was doing the Wednesday nights. And it came back to me. Yeah. Like the PJ. You got back in the – Yeah. Like, because they used to call me PJ, Pastor John, and, like, I sat down, and it was so familiar for so many years having done it that I was like, hey, gang. Hey, what's up, guys? Let's let's rap about this. Turn my hat around backwards. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It was was very, like— I want to get down on your level. (laughs) Can I, for just a second? I don't even feel like— Do you feel like they responded? I do. Was it just that— I do. Yeah, you got a connection. Your ability to connect. I knew enough not to, like, try to act like it's— 2005 anymore that's a key i think for kids is and i don't consider myself somebody who has a huge connection with kids like i did a couple of youth events this past weekend and i was even telling you that like i i'm not there yet but i think i'm getting to the point where i'm like i I can see generationally it's gonna start to be a problem eventually yeah the connection like you can see the i can see the edge of the hill where i'm an old person to them i think that you can never you could never discount the impact of just engagement and kindness. But that's what I was going to say yeah. is like not pretending to be right. a cool guy. Oh, that would have been it would, would have been really important uh, to just be yourself. Like uh, I've done some rooms before where uh, it's a ninety percent black audience. Yeah, and you see like two or three white comics on the show, and then like five or six black comics on the show. And the white comics that go out there and try to be like, hey, they doing what they think a black audience wants to see. Right. They never connect. Yeah. And meanwhile, like uh, my buddy Brian Bates has clips of him doing like black rooms and he'll go out and just be the nerd. Like he's just a nerdy guy, a hapless white guy. And they eat it up. It's like a safe window into white culture. And that's what you kind of are looking for in comedy when you're seeing like other races or other cultures. It's yeah. like, I want a safe window into your culture. And sometimes you want them to prove to you that you are what they think you are. Sometimes they want to see like, oh, I had no idea. You want to illuminate some right. other things they might not be looking at or how we're the same and how we are different. But and all, all that said, it's just interesting to see. I've, I've been able to win over audiences of other cultures sometimes because I can sing. Right. Like I, if I go to a black church and I can and I whip out the guitar and then I hit like a high note, it's like it's over. It spans the culture. Yeah. Sometimes though, it's important not to try to be cooler than you are. And I think that's true of youth too. Like if you go in and be like, "Hey gang, well, hey fellow kids," and to be clear, when <laughs> it's like I the s- Steve Buscemi <laughs> meme where he's got the skateboard and the hat. <laughs> right. How do you do, fellow kids? To be clear, when I said that it worked, yeah, it's not like you've it, accepted the position. Well, you are now. I'm saying that my expectations. Yeah. Like the fact that it didn't crash and burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a few kids in a circle, which you is way harder. It. You got like, through it. Yeah, it was like I think that they had a decent time. You know, I think I navigated the distractions that come in a yeah. small group circle. But you're, but you're right. Care and kindness, like it's the thing. Just people being seen and heard. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a manipulative way. I mean like legitimately. I remember there's always there's always kids over the years that the room is ignoring. And yeah. I and I see them, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not the most uh, observant guy. I'm really not. But maybe that's the shepherding side. Yeah. I don't want anyone to be to, to to feel as if they're not seen. And I remember doing classes. There were larger classes where I'd come in, you know, when someone else was the youth pastor or whatever. And I needed to sit in for a few weeks when they're on vacation or something. And there'd be that kid that you could tell the other kids had been conditioned not to listen to um, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know. And and and, you know, and you'd some, let that you'd let that kid preach. You're like, hey, like, hey, I need you to fill in. <laughs> I'm going to give you this apocryphal book, and I want you. But no, I think just like getting everybody, you don't tell everyone, hey, stop and listen. Like the yeah. worst thing you can do. Yeah. Right. Now you're making that kid have a worse time of it. Uh huh. But you, what you can do is, is if that kid starts talking, you lock eyes, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if the whole group's talking around you because they're still taking their cues from you. You lock eyes. And you listen all the way through. And if the other kid starts talking to you to the side, you don't even acknowledge that they're talking. Like, I'm going to give the respect of this yeah. completely. And then, you know, obviously respond. And it would cause all the other kids to, well, what is he looking at? And they, yeah. they would turn and start listening then. Yeah, and then have some sort of response. I mean, yeah. 
Well, you were substitute teacher for a while, too. You were an actual oh. teacher, but I'm saying you subbed for a long time, too. Ooh, that's a hard job. And that's a different thing. Because, yeah, you're walking into a, an established culture. Right. And you don't know the rules of it yet. Dude, when I had my classroom, when I had my classroom down for a year, uh-huh. by the time I was a second-year teacher, all my lesson plans were done. Right. All the, expect, all the kids coming up already knew kind of in the school, because I was, I was in eighth grade history usually. So the seventh graders already knew. They'd seen me, and they knew – they had friends in eighth. They kind of knew – Okay, this is what you expect. There, yeah. there's, everyone has their place. But yes, a substitute, oh my gosh. And you walk in and they're trying to kill you. Like they, they yeah. want to take you down and create chaos. It is, yeah, it's a, it's a chance for you to kind of establish dominance or be like, yeah, you can make yourself a folk hero that day if you rats the sub. Yeah. If you're that person, if you're that kind of person, you're like, this is where I make my mark today, gentlemen. Yeah. I remember the story, the story that I always remember when I was in school. And I wasn't there when it happened, so it's one of those stories you never know if it's an urban legend. But it was – I was out sick. I was out sick a lot when I was in school. I had really bad asthma, and I was really depressed a lot as a kid. So I missed a lot of school. I missed probably 30 days a year oh, wow. of class. But I was out one day, and they said, we had a sub. You missed it. And the sub was blind. And so they wow. they decided they would – when they found it out, this is Mrs. Wilson, and she blah, blah, blah. And they introduced her. Now, Mrs. Wilson uh, – is blind and she comes highly recommended blah, blah, and they introduce her to the kids and the ki- one kid gets the idea of like I know what we're going to do no way. we're going to turn the lights out on this lady we're going to have class in the dark and so they did and so they start having class and then she gets her she opens her little whatever she's got like a lesson plan in braille or whatever I guess and then she goes do y'all want to turn the lights on before we get started she heard the buzzing stop Wow. So she was listening for the ballast. I was going to say, if, she, if she's a she was so aware teacher, she that was Or she a, heard a kid whisper, turn the lights out on right. this. Yeah. But there's and, no way she's not a pro, like, ready to go. Yeah. Like, you don't make it to that. And again, I have no idea. That's just one of those stories where you're like, and she shut us all down or whatever. Oh, it's like a crazy, she's a ninja. She had her extra sensory, yeah. you know. Yeah, you got to think, if you're willing. <laughs> Somebody throws something, she catches it or whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if you're willing to go in, man, to that yeah. situation, you got to know what you're, surely yeah. you're going to, like, I remember... Laura and I were engaged. I was a senior. Uh, I may have still been a junior. I needed some extra money because, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Trying to engaged senior. I'm still a student. I'm working for my dad in the summer some, uh, going home on the weekend some to, to mow with dad's company. And then I was doing summer camps, which don't, Johnny, they don't pay a no. lot, but I was preparing for youth ministry. People take advantage. Christians take advantage of other Christians in untold ways. Well, like, every, hey, you're trying to cut your teeth in ministry? Come out and do our camp for twelve dollars and some pizza. Oh, man. You know, you and I did some camps for, and we've we've done it too. I mean, there's you know, there's times you've had we've you know when you were doing ministry, you're like, hey, you're good at guitar, come on over or whatever. We've we've exploited well, just because you have that's not exploit exploitation. Just well, because you have a gift doesn't mean you deserve to be paid for it. No, it's true. I guess you're right. That's probably especially it. if you're in your own church. Yeah, you're God, right. see, you've changed. You should teach people to serve. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Call it being exploited. I think there's a line. On the there's a line team. though when you know, like, if it's a camp from out of state that's not your people, and you're like, "Come on, I heard you." you know. Listen, I've led worship in this church, yeah. for 18 years, uh-huh. and it is not my job. No. In fact, when he hired me, he said, "Whatever you do, don't sing." He, <laughs> <laughs> he should have said that. When he hired me, he said, "Hey, listen, I just want you to always be able to be focused on youth, and you don't have to. Uh-huh. Worry. I know you've always done both, but we don't want to." overload you here so don't worry about it like two months in overloaded you well i had this feeling i'm, not, I'm just gonna say it like that. i had this feeling uh-huh. like i i'm about to be asked to do this and yeah. sure enough he asked and 18 years later <sighs> i'm still on the team as one of the leaders and Man. you know how much so to your point like you've led and then preached the same oh many times yeah in fact i used to put try down to the guitar that. pick up the other I just put on the other hat i don't have to do that anymore now I'm going to put on my preacher hat now. I'm going to, I'm going to get teacher. down on your level. I'm going to, you know, can we stop for a second and can we exegete? Anyway. <laughs> can we turn on these lights first? It'd be a great thing to do is go in and pretend to be the blind teacher just to establish dominance. Nice. You know, you've got the, you put, put the, the dark glasses, glasses on. on and you then kinda, act like you're looking forward and the kids over there doing something. You're like, hey, but you really can see them and they don't know. Oh, it. would be like, amazing. Oh be like, She's unbelievable. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great idea. Uh-huh. Heck, bring, I was going to say, bring a cane. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, you just get, whack somebody with it if they get out of line. How did she know? I was say, you get so angry that you suddenly just run towards them or whatever. And they're right. like, wow. Like, if we mess with this person, it doesn't matter what their limitations. Man. 
Well, I mean, we're not encouraging people to pretend to be no. disabled. No, to, I thought I'd to edit all this To out. establish like dominance over teeth. I just feel like as someone who felt helpless as a teenager and still feels helpless around teenagers as an adult, yeah. I'm looking for an edge here. And if I, I got to fake a weakness so that I can get in and then be like, no, you thought you had me, I'll do it. I don't care what you know, it is. You know what my technique was? What's that? So number one, you can exta- you can establish dominance with fun, yeah. Or by now, it's hard again at my age now. Well, being funny is always a, a secret weapon. But they have to get it, yeah. And you also at this day and age, especially, it would be hard for me. I have to be careful around kids, not to, as I'm trying to be funny, to elevate myself right. and then to make them look right. Stupid. You can't roast them because you never know if it's a sensitive. Because I would kid. do that when I was yeah in in, two, in the 1999 and 2000. I'll be in a classroom and some kid challenged me. Uh-huh. I mean, it wasn't like I was mean necessarily, but if you came at me, well, and the standard of mean changes. What's not did. mean to you could just be you know. I can't yeah. believe you eviscerated my child. Yeah, and it wasn't like I yelled at him, and it wasn't like I got the whole class to laugh at him. Right, but I let them know, hey, listen, if you're going, yeah. To try to say something disrespectful. Don't start, won't be none. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm really dancing around. I do remember yeah. I had a meeting one time. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting deep now. I'll go. So, I mean, I was teacher of the year, Johnny. Okay. Okay, so things went pretty well most of the time. All right. Hang on. Do you have the plaque still? No, I don't think I got one. What? Isn't that weird? And so I remember when I got pretty comfortable in the classroom, and I was a youth pastoring too, so yeah. I had that smart aleck side, you know. Uh-huh. And I would tell stories like, you know, what I would do back then, you remember this? I would open every class because my dad used to do this. It's a public school. I would take like a living Bible or a new living translation and just pick a proverb that didn't didn't mention God or anything. Uh-huh. It was just literally an ancient proverb, just an yeah. ancient principle. And I would do a little just life skill lesson out of it. You know, read something. It didn't have to just be the Bible. I do. I would do a little, right. hey, because school should be about more than just education. Like, hey, this is what it's like to, you know, be responsible. This is what it's like to, right. you know, be a good friend, those kinds of things. And I would, I would say, but if I was a history teacher, I'd be like, hey, and those are your words of wisdom today. The words of wisdom, W-O-W. Now let's get into this math. And I'd say, I'd say, <laughs> and then you guys say, and I'll go, wow, for words, uh, of, wisdom. words of wisdom. So like I had, an, I had these cues. And uh-huh. if I didn't do the wow, they'd be so upset like right. every day because mainly I wasn't teaching. <laughs> Right. So they didn't have to learn anything except, yeah. but they but they, they just had to be ready to say wow when you were done, right? But they would usually you could tell uh-huh. you could tell if they were no they were yeah there's some kids who were not but you could tell the kids but you. it's like it's a cultural thing yeah it's like a uh, your group think you're teaching them to be together on something yeah. and you're teaching them to yeah that's and fun. life skills what we called them back then was a big thing yeah. in education like you had to do all kinds of continuing education about you know you wanted kids to learn you know things beyond just the classroom right. you know curriculum and so. I kind of had that rapport with them a little bit, but I remember there was a kid. Gosh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell it all. Gosh, no, I can't. I don't think I can. You can tell. You can't tell it. <sighs> we were in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. Yeah, yeah. This, I'm, I'm ashamed, guys. I'm telling you this, and I'm ashamed of it. Oh, I like wow. that. Okay. Do I know this story? Yeah, probably. Okay. And there was this kid, and he was always like defiant and getting in trouble in every class, yeah. kind of thing. And he tried to push the boundaries, and uh, several of the kids, but he was this kid this uh, i gotta be careful I'll, I'll just edit if i have to so he sagged his pants yeah which was against dress code right and you're supposed to enforce dress code and so this is again probably not the best approach and he was like always kind of up you know pushing the boundaries you, you gave know? this kid the wedgie of his life so i just <laughs> i remember i gave a talk one day yeah. and it was that I, I didn't call him out i was yeah. just like guys i don't know if you guys know uh-huh but you live in Blunt County, Tennessee, right? At the foothills of the Smokies, right smack dab in the middle, basically, or at right. least the edge of Appalachia. But you're not in a gang, and so some of y'all are like walking around, right? Like that you're 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 trying to access gang culture, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't I don't get it because I don't know if you know where we live, but none of that exists here. Yeah, you know. But I, I think I was probably a little more smart alecky than that, you know. Yeah. The kids kind of you know giggled and laughed and stuff, you know, <laughs> and something so. I get this parent yeah. sets up a parent teacher meeting with all the teachers oh, no. and the principal. Right. And now what what was going, I was, dude, I was terrified because she let me know, like, I want to know what exactly you meant by gang culture. So like she had oh, this, she's she coming thought, after yeah. me. I was like, Oh man. And so I was terrified. Right. And I went into that meeting and I was like praying about it. 
that you come in with saggy pants just to show like, I guess, solidarity, solidarity right? <laughs> well, the good news was she opened the meeting at this table of teachers and she, now he'd been in trouble in everybody else's class okay. too. So that, that played in my, into my, right. to my advantage. And she was like, oh, we're going to get to this, this. And then she pointed at me oh, and no. said, and we're saving you for last. Oh, I was whoa. like, oh man, the principal's in there. I was like, oh dear, here it comes. So she starts going through. And at every turn, whatever her kid had told her, the teachers had done, when the teacher told the real story, uh-huh. the parent was like, she'd look at him like, you did what? Like it was oh, a right. real, you know. Yeah. So by the time she She'd got, been getting the good version from the kid. But I still thought, I'm not going to be able to get out of this because I was kind of smart <laughs> allocated to the kid, you know. This yeah. is, in, you know. And uh, <laughs> I, Johnny, I don't, I'm not going to say that the Lord did this for me. Okay. I'm just going to say it happened, and I had prayed about it. Yeah. Because I thought, I'm not going to be a smart lucky moving forward. I'm going to learn my lesson on this. Yeah. And they got to the teacher before me, and the secretary came in and said, you know, called the principal and said, hey, you got to come out of here. And the principal got up and left. Yeah. And so when the lady turned to me and started asking the questions, I explained myself, but the principal was nowhere around. The person who could get me in trouble for it was not right. there to even witness it. Huh. And it all just kind of diffused and went away, you know. Wow. And I was like, I, I literally mean, like. But do we know why he got called out of the room? It was a she. Oh, wow. do we know a she? Oh, wow. wow. Of course, I've assumed that the principal is a man. Jeez. Uh, no, I have no idea. I know no idea. But. Uh, you, you had Laura call. <laughs> <laughs> you had Laura calling a bomb threat <laughs> so that he could go and inve- she could go investigate that oh, and be man. like, I just remember thinking, whoa, yeah. I'm going to be a little, just, yeah. you know, do you think stu- it would have gone differently if the principal had been in there? No, I think at that point the kid had already been discredited so much, right. but I was going to own whatever I made. If I made a mistake, I'd own it. I was like, well, we do have a dress code, for, you know, and, and, and we do discourage, Yeah, you know, I, I think it was valid, but I had probably gone a little too far. It is interesting though. Like, no, you're right though. Knowing what, a kid's limits are for like you challenging them with something or just like the, your tone. Cause yeah, you got to deal with the parent. Like that's the hard thing is parents. We're growing up in an ever sent more sensitive parent culture. Oh, if it, so somebody that, said that to my kid, I'd be down there in a the heartbeat. Right. Yeah. If somebody, so if somebody said to Sadie, pull your pants up. No, if they reinforce dress code, that'd be fine. Yeah. If they tried to ascribe something to it. Now I, I don't know. What the sagging pants, what the real – I was making assumptions about the school system's right. reasoning behind the policy, okay? Yeah. That was my mistake, okay? Yeah. So, like, if Sadie – if they were in dress – enforced dress code with her and then make some assumption or insinuation about right. her character – Right. Or about her actions. Yeah, I mean, that was... Right, I with was, a girl, it'd be more likely to be like, you're wearing shorts that are too short, or I don't want to see your belly, or I don't want right. to whatever, and you're going to you're gonna basically like slut right. shame if them or something. if you body shame yeah. her, yeah. I'm down there. And and so, hey, if that kid's listening, I'm sorry I don't remember your name, but I'm real sorry. I, I was I was just a kid myself, Johnny, and there's it's too no late. That kid's... Yeah. That that was the beginning point of them going completely off the rails. Well, that's when I probably really learned... You know that you know that person today as... No, it needs to be like a... <laughs> <laughs> Lil Wayne, maybe you've maybe heard of you've him. Heard of him? Would it be great if it went on to be like a famous rapper and he really is? Oh man, I'd eat those words. That'd be amazing. And now, guys, you're like in the liner notes of his CD. <laughs> and what's crazy is, I don't know if I'm going to keep this story or not. I could care less about sagging pants. Like, yeah. and, like, like I didn't really care then. I was just trying to enforce the culture. And yeah. the, the kid was mean all the time. Uh-huh. He was coming at everybody. Right. So I just wanted to put him in his place. Back to the original. I just wanted. I wanted to take control of the classroom. Well, with me, when I do. Uh, when I used to do comedy shows for a lot of youth, I used to do a lot more youth shows, and I did a couple at at schools, Christian schools. They'd say, "Hey, we want you to do our chapel. We're going to yeah. bring you in. The kids will love it. We've had it before, but you know, a couple of times we've had comedians before. They'll love you." So I go in, and back then, I'm basically a substitute teacher because I'm walking into a culture I don't know anything about. Right. I'm trying to win over an audience that I don't really know. I just know, like, oh, here's some generalities I think will work here. But I would do specific things back then, like I would do songs, and there's one parody song I would do. And I would go, I would call it was my big closer. And I would go out into the audience on verse two and find somebody. And it was yeah. usually an adult. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I would sing a verse to them. And I'd be like, look at me when I'm singing to you. And I would kind of embarrass them. But it was always like the pastor who would sit on the front row or right. it'd be a school administrator. Do you but, like rub your finger through the pastor's hair? And stuff oh yeah. Sometimes? I would tassel yeah. their hair and I'd yeah. be just so just obnoxiously like in their face about it. Well, I did this school one day and so. There was no administrators or school te- – like the teachers all stood in the back and was like, let's see how this goes. They were doing that thing. And so that's bad in, on for two reasons. One is 
kids need to see teachers and administrators laughing at right. the edgier stuff because they know it's okay now to laugh at it. Right. And the other thing is, like, it just – there was nobody for me to pick on. Yeah. So I picked, like, what I thought was, like, a big football player kid. Oh, no. So I go over to him and I do the verse and blah, blah, blah. And I was like oh. – and it, and it was going well and whatever. And then at the end, like, I got – I got an email. One of the only emails I've ever oh, gotten. No. I got an email saying, oh, we loved you and blah, blah, blah. Just so you know, though, the kid that you picked was like really like just destroyed because oh. he got picked on the whole rest of the day. And it's a kid who's really shy. And oh, I was like, I picked him because I thought he was like a Letterman jacket yeah. kid who was like the high school quarterback. No, that's not him. He just... He's he was mortified that he got singled out, and I was just like, uh. And I literally had to like send that kid like a Facebook message. Hey, man, thanks for being such a good sport during the show. I tried mm. to like not play it off like an apology, but I was like, hey, man, it was great. And he he, oh man, you know, all good. I loved it, but yeah, evidently it did not. So I just I just guessed wrong, but you know, and, and it, I've, uh, I stopped doing that bit. Really, I mean, I, it was there are all reasons I stopped doing it, but it just kind of worked its way out of the act. But it uh, was a you never know. You, usually, if you pick the pastor, it's going to go great. Oh, you're good. One time I got I started doing the hair thing. And it was the pastor of this church, and he had the cool, like, spiky hair. Uh-huh. It was back in the, the frosted tips. This was, you know, oh, yeah. early 2000s. And he – I got a laugh so big that I thought, this is not this funny. I literally checked my fly. The was- laugh <laughs> – the laugh was so <laughs> big, I thought, they're laugh. laughing at me. Yeah, It was yeah. one of those laughs where it's like, okay, right. I'm the joke now. But there's something about the hair you didn't know, probably. This guy evidently was, like, obsessed with his hair. Nice. And he would, it, would, it made its way into his sermons about, I'm having a good hair day. And so when I went out there and started uh-huh. messing with his hair, the crowd just knew wow. that Pastor so-and-so was obsessed with his hair. And so it, it, I've, I don't think I've ever gotten a laugh that big. Wow. So I was like, something's wrong. Something's getting ready to happen. This is not normal. <laughs> <Check> my fly. <laughs> I did. I went. Okay, what are we laughing at here? Yeah. This isn't. The, this does not get this kind of laugh. Maybe the Lord knew I couldn't handle the hair. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Maybe that was going to be. Well, with, if it's a bald person, I'd go. Fart, 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 fart. <laughs> I would cut up. I would. I would record scratch their head. You know what's weird though? These stories though have they have triggered this. So, like I've, I've made the comment before that I think sometimes being a youth pastor and, and a teacher as well, yeah. were probably the only jobs I was ever really good at. Like, I, I really felt like myself in those Better seasons. than weed-eating, John? Well, I'm actually pretty good at weed-eating, too. John, as, I, think as we know. I think you're good at a lot of things. No, I'm just saying, though, that's the job that felt like... Yeah. Well, it felt... Like important. all of your skill sets engaged. And it felt like it worked and it was important and it yeah. helped people. Right. Um, not that weed-eating doesn't help and, people no, no, and it's no. not important. But it's fun. You know, there's, there, there's a lot of drama in it. Yeah. It's not that. But kids are... I think that's what I miss about teens versus doing adult ministry. Yeah. Like I would create experiences Mm -hmm. because they want to to go do it. Yeah. So you got to think, Johnny, think about, I was looking at pictures by the way, because it was your birthday yesterday. Yes. Happy birthday to Johnny. Hooray guys. If you guys follow me, uh, I posted a bunch of pictures of me and Johnny all over the world, all kinds of different things we've done. And as a bunch, I didn't post Yeah. because obviously you're limited. But there were a lot of like student leadership retreats. We used to call them overdrive retreats where we're both in some T-shirt that I made up, you know, that Jeffrey designed and that we, you know. Johnny, we had dozens. There was a sideways hat in a lot of those that I was wearing. Like I think I took on a rap persona. We did a rap thing. Several of those. That was in Bolivia. Yeah. By the way. We were, uh, we did a rap with like a little music break in between, like a little, hey now. And uh, yeah, I was, what were we, it was for the Bolivian Hope Center. Yeah. And so I called this Run BHC. <laughs> Do you remember this? Who, who I was Run BHC and you were Save Your Save. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Save Your Save. <laughs> but we made these little like uh, tin foil uh-huh. on a paper plate because we didn't have any, all no, we had we was were, what was in the house in of the missionary. Country in the last night, like, so yeah. I made like a little huge flavor flave clock. Out of yeah. tin foil and a plate. And if you look, by the way, there's a picture of me and you standing mm-hmm. on bricks that were being laid at the Hope Center. Yeah. Writing the song. Right, writing the song for that I can't night. tell you how many times that we were. We did this in Miami. Remember at the at the uh, his house in Miami, the kids' center there, the children's yeah. home? We wrote a song there, too. What was that one? It was a rap one, too. Yeah. So it had rap in it. Almost everywhere we went, we wrote a song. So forget what I said about trying not to just embrace urban culture just to be cool. Well, we were being ironic, obviously. We were being like, hey, here's two lame white guys right. trying to rap. But. right. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest part of the joke, yeah. Uh, 
God, I remember some lines from that Bloodian song. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was a tongue twister in parts. Uh, uh, but, well, so we had the pastor down there. His name Freddie. Right. And he was a dangerous driver. Well, it's not least. just that. You have to be a dangerous driver because everyone's aggressive right. in Bolivia. It's all like roundabouts and no rules. It's a lot of near misses. Yeah. And thank God we didn't get killed. Right, because we're Every all day when you're just going to the work site, you almost die five Because you've got seven people in the back of a truck. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just not, being like, sloshed bells. hither yeah. and thither. Yeah. But, but all of you parents who sent your kids with us, it was totally, totally safe. safe. It was totally fine. safe. Totally safe. It was fine. But I remember it was like, uh, we ride with Freddie. He, he drives like, like Mario Andretti. Are you ready? You'll be throwing up spaghetti. You'll be nauseous. Man, we urge you to be cautious. And it's it the rainy, rainy season, season, so you, you better, better bring a loshes. Yeah. To the Andes. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Yeah, I don't remember the report. Ain't no that. room for pansies. Maybe. It got a little. Watch your something, alpaca gonna stampede. Yeah. I can't. Anyway. And they did, Johnny. They did. The alpacas. The alpaca are everywhere. Um, I did a sermon about, I did one of the devotions that day and I, at the Bolivian, at the thing, the daily, and I talked about alpacas, about how like they look so dorky. Yeah. And then we were on the mountain. We were going up. Uh-huh. Remember when we climbed the Andes and the, uh-huh. and the like. And the alpacas are just like, they're looking at you. Just, they look so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And then they just like, when the truck came by, they just took off running and they ran straight, straight up, up a hillside. Yeah. And they were like literally like perpendicular to the hillside. And I was like, uh-huh. oh. And it was like, I think the message was something about like God's gifted you with whatever. Right. And so you may not fit in your current whatever. But then the thing he's prepared you for, you'll be, yeah. you'll have the skills to, I don't know. Yeah. And they were like, oh, and they were like, wow. When I was down, they were like, wow. Can we eat now? They were ready to. It was lunch <laughs> you break. Our favorite meal. Well, there's two favorite meals in Bolivia. I don't know. Well, the night they would go, there was a Chinese restaurant. In yeah, town. they had Chinese. It was Bolivia. like it was like heaven. Chinese food in Bolivia was some of the best Chinese food I've ever no, had. We were exhausted. Yeah, that's true. And been working. Maybe all day. if I ate it just in my regular life, it was so good. And then they take us to the steakhouse that last that's night. Right. And the steaks were huge, and you had yeah, um, yeah. But I was I was looking through all those pictures, man, and it was just like this. Um, I, th- those again, those previous stories. They they there's a part of me that looks at it and goes, "Wow, that was we were in our element." And I don't look back at it like I want to go do it again. It's not that at all. It was a great season. I'm grateful for. Yeah, uh, that that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm I love the season I'm in. It's it's different and, and all those things. It's not worse. I mean, dude, having a 13 year old daughter is like a blast, and I I, I love where I am. Um. But then I look back and I, and I do over time. It's one of the reasons, by the way, that, that I wanted to start a podcast was there's a lot of things I wish I could do differently or say differently to those. I mean, guys, there's thousands of people over the course of that 15 years, mm-hmm. thousands that walk through <laughs> and and right back out. They were like, <laughs> nope. <And they're> like, <laughs> we're out of here. And you <laughs> I just, sang to a few of them and tousled their hair. That ran a few <laughs> off. But you know, I think it, there was probably a time where I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. You're, you're, you're. They say hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't think that's true for me. I think I remember myself differently than maybe things were. Sometimes I'll come oh, to you yeah. like I'll come to you like, dude. I can't believe I was like this, and, and you'll be like, you weren't like that at all. No. Today, you know? And I there's somebody with uh, there's a podcast I listen to called Smartless, and they had Bradley Cooper on, and Bradley Cooper was talking about that about how he's been in therapy, and he said only like in the last year and a half has he started to like come around and have a real self-esteem that's not based in his accomplishments. Uh-huh. This is the guy who's won Academy Awards. Yep. And he's like, the, when you start thinking about your childhood and the, it's like the story we tell ourselves about ourselves is so important. Yeah. And you have to like extra, extricate yourself from your own memories even. Cause you can, he was talking about that. He goes, you have to understand what your childhood really was. Otherwise you're living in this story of what you think your dad and mom did to you. Right. And then you could tell that story to an aunt and they go, that's not how that happened. Yeah. You almost set the house on fire that day. Don't you remember? And they go, you go, no, I've been thinking this whole time that I was this yeah. big like victim. And I'm not saying there's not real trauma. But I think there is this need, like when you take a memory out, like what science is saying about memory is it's not like this database. Right. 
where you just pull out a blade server and you go, oh, this is exactly what, and I put it back. When you pull it out, you've altered it a little bit. You color it a little bit more, you put it back, and now it's locked in, and you can keep, it's like by handling it, you're messing with it. And so I think you have people who constantly live in this version of themselves, and until you kind of figure out what is the real narrative of my life, especially if you become a parent, you don't want to, you're so obsessed with not, repeating the mistakes of your parents or whatever that sometimes you forget to give your parents a break yeah you know give your parents a break sometimes well you know that old that old i forget who said that quote you know people don't remember they don't remember uh the words you said they remember the way you made right maya angelou said that yeah and that i think that sometimes if i am counseling someone and certainly in my own therapy there's that sense of what they're remembering is accurate to them because of the feeling yeah Especially feelings of shame, mm-hmm. fear, um, and if someone was very angry, yeah. you know, if it's, and, and you know, I was a sensitive kid, and you were too. So there are things I remember that stick out to me, probably because of how I was made more than what the adult in the room did. Right. You're right, guys. Let's be clear. There's a lot of times adults are crossing major. Yeah, lines. And adults do blow it. It's yeah, just that thing yeah. of like I feel like we're in a time and culture now where. People go – this is not true of every therapist, but sometimes people go to therapy to figure out who to blame for their lot in life, not to how to get better. Like I want to figure out how to process this trauma so that I don't pass this on. That's a healthy way to go to therapy. To go to therapy and be like, how do I – who do I blame for this and how do I get the people in my life to figure out how to work the way around my issues rather than make my issues better? Like I see some of that now in therapy culture. And I'm a little bit like turned off by that, like not willing to do the work, but just do the work of blaming, sure. like blame shifting. There is real trauma, and that's the hard part, not knowing like which what, what work are we really doing. And uh, I don't know. Well, 12-step you know, recovery, at least, and that kind of work, that's what's so like radical about it is about step five and six and seven. Once you've inventoried all the people, and one of the things you inventory is harm's done to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, the work we do kind of stops there. Yeah, it's so key. It, we're not dismissing it. We're not. I'm not downplaying it. Like I think it's super important. And there are some harms that are so traumatic that I mean they they are they are life shifting. Right. The person doesn't need necessarily. Even if you forgive them, they don't need necessarily be in a trusted advisor oh, in your yeah, life yeah. anymore. No, right. I mean, that's understand. That's the difference. okay. The difference that's totally between okay to walk away. And forgiveness and reconciliation yeah. are also key. It doesn't you have to still learn to establish boundaries? Yeah. You don't. Oh, you know. Yes. Yes to all those things, but. Then another part of your inventory is harms done by me. Right, that's a tough one, right? And well, it they often cross. Uh-huh. The, the two things cross, right? Because you could be in a fight where there's you're both in the wrong, and you got to own your part of it yeah. while not owning their part. You have to own that even if their part set this thing in motion, yeah, that your reaction yeah. is still your responsibility, or right. as we say to kids in the old days, your response is your responsibility. Yeah, like. That's that's not just to a lot of us, and I think especially when I look at kids, you know, there's there is a balance there to go. Hey, I understand why you reacted. There were things I made amends for that my amends, or excuse me, the action that I'm making amends for, on paper was right. You want to retract your amends right now? No, no. You want I mean, to go I mean, ahead. There were times that I've made. I want amends. to issue a statement. <laughs> Those of you who made amends, there were times I made amends and. I get why I did it. If I told you what it was, uh-huh. anybody listening would go, well, that's a reasonable, even maybe right reaction. Uh-huh. You know, you had strong, but but what I was making amends for, and this is where the, the faith part comes into it. Hey, I know where I crossed into anger. See, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Meaning like there's an anger that we all feel to human emotion. And I don't think sin means like, don't react. I think there's a sin of like, I wished harm upon you yeah. in my heart. This you're saying this to me, Johnny, I think you know why I called you here. <laughs> but, like I, I, <laughs> you know, I took a twist didn't it? <laughs> it did. like that. I wished like, I, yeah, I think that's the right. I, I, I took vengeance in my heart uh-huh. instead of letting, and that's the, that's the real like offensive part of it all. Is and this is I'm, I'm, I'm this is the, the the thing that affected me the most of all recovery was this. If I really believe the gospel, then every sin, the, all my sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. Right? Yeah. So that's just great news. That also means every sin committed against me 
But other believers, past, present, and future, have also already been forgiven. Which we're less, we want to be less generous about. Right. So, like, if you hurt me in the past, you've already been forgiven for it. And if I hold it against you, this is really just the gospel 101. So what Jesus said, I don't think it was like a, we make it into a rule. If you you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Yeah. I, I think what he's saying is, like, you can't receive the kind of forgiveness I'm giving if you don't understand how it applies to everyone yeah. else. You're kind of playing God. Because right. you're saying like, God, I know you forgave them, but I know best. Right. I know to hold on to this Look, grudge. I know that the sin that I have committed was enough for you to be tortured yeah. with the worst torture of all of creation and hung on a cross. But you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you have to then go grapple with the actual cross. You have to like grapple with what actually happened to yeah. him. Do you really believe that happened? Do you really believe that you're harms committed you know justified his crucifixion like or do you go well yeah but i'm not that bad so it starts it starts kind of unraveling all those oh i'm not that bad i'm not the murderer i'm not the and you go oh actually no i i am (laughs) and so it was freeing and also offensive because you're like but but it doesn't mean again we let the abusers or doesn't mean we let those who've hurt us off the hook what we say is like okay that's now in god's hands to deal with the judgment of it and it's so freeing. Now I can go, I make amends to you for my angry reaction. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't think what you did was completely, you know, you know, irreprehensible. We're talking to me again. Again, I'm looking at Johnny. It just means that I'm not demanding the justice anymore yeah. that, that your negative action towards me demands. I'm going to leave that in God's hands. And it's super offensive because God may not punish you as the, in the way that I wish he would. Right. But I have been forgiven. So it was, it's a, I don't know. I do think like, yeah, it's where those steps overlap where you're like, yeah, I got to make amends and I got to forgive people, but I got to make amends too. Yeah. You're owning your own humanity and it's hard for people to do because you, you want to be the hero of your own story. It's very important. Yeah. That narrative that you tell yourself about yourself, it defends all these, like uh, I was talking with Elias Dummer who I had lunch with and he was fascinating and he studies all this stuff about uh, sociology and the human mind right. and how we work. And he's read all these studies and he read one that said we, that what they're learning about human thought is we think of ourselves as kind of like the president of our actions mm-hmm. and our thoughts. Like I'll decide to say this or do this and I'll rubber stamp this. Yes, do it. And he goes, what we really, what we're finding out, what we really are is more a press secretary. We're defending things yeah. that we already are doing. Like, have you ever gone, you know there's chocolate cake in the fridge. You know you don't need to eat that cake. You've already eaten that cake in your mind, though. You're already, and you've already decided to eat it. Yep. So what you do, your press secretary mind goes, well, I'll work out in the morning. Or, it's my birthday. I'm having wow. some cake. So, like, what we think of ourselves is, like, this overlord of our thoughts and our emotions and our mind. And what we really are is we're Sarah Huckabee Sanders going, I know what he said, but he didn't mean it. Right. We're defending it as though, like, we're, 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 we're playing defense all the time. Yeah. And in that we're the, we're the harmed party or we're the innocent one. But really, it's like, we know what we're doing. We're spinning. Mm. You know? We're masters of spin. Yep. We are, John Steinbeck, by the way, said... No one wants advice, only corroboration. Like that's yeah. that's the idea. I I am I am trying to get someone to yeah, help you me go until justify they get, yeah. what you I've go, already. We've all done it. We go to that friend and go like, should I invest in this? And you wait until you hear the person go, do it. Yeah, man. If you already have decided you want to do it, yeah. or like, it's cool. Like uh, there was a thing that uh, about uh, running, and it's about like they're learning now that running is bad for the what they call the vascular age your age of your heart it's bad for men they did this huge study about it and i'm like and i just skimmed it i was like i wonder what they consider like a runner though like do i if running three times a week like i may do right a couple miles three miles that's not that's not what they're saying so i'm already like right without even having read the study i'm already making this like they don't mean me though or if you decide, if somebody goes, well, you actually need to eat this many calories to be healthy, and this is like, you need to limit it. And I go, yeah, but I'm an outlier. You don't know. Like, I know sodas are bad for me, but I'm always in my mind going, yeah, but I mean, I've had no issues up to now. Like, I don't, I'm making a defense. Yeah. And I'll go to somebody, I'll find somebody healthy that drinks sodas, and I'll go, look at, look at this guy. Yeah. 
So you write, you wait until you find corroboration, yep. Yep. <laughs> and that that's your even if it's the one person in a million, you know. See, and I think those of us who have inner committee that's constantly critiquing all that we do. Yeah, I don't know. That's that goes back to again the. Now whole you're life. making an outward committee until you get the right right. It's like you find the one juror that's going to hold on and hang the jury. You know, I don't know. Maybe he's innocent. You're like, well, actually, there's a mountain of evidence that he's not. I don't know. Though, and you're like, that's my juror right there. I got him. <laughs> well, I was on a call with some pastor, former pastors, this morning. That we meet every other uh, every other Thursday morning, and we were talking about um, something in my life, and they know me now pretty well. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, I, I, I've made this decision, did this thing, and I'm feeling a little, you know, I'm being vague on purpose. And one of them goes, you know, John, I think you should completely condemn yourself about that. Like, you just need right. to make yourself feel awful about, yeah. about it. And they all kind of laughed. I said, well, finally, right. someone has agreed with my inner committee. We just keep dismissing my inner committee as if that they know nothing. But I think they sound pretty smart, you know. So there's just like this, I think you, you have both sides of it. I don't think I've ever, there were times that parts of me felt like the hero, or wanted to be, if I really am honest, if I go back and, and sit in the chairs of those seasons, um, it was hard. And like, I, you know, kids are going on a trip next week. So I was talking to Jake about, hey, I can remember driving buses and vans and like the weight of the people behind me. Yeah. Um, and anytime I did it overnight or anytime I did any kind of thing, there's always that weight of it. But then you get you get lost. If I could just get there, then you have this kind of feeling of relaxation. Okay, the kids are safe. Let's enjoy the trip now. You know, and then you're going to have the thing. Someone knocks on the door at two a.m. Someone's yeah. in trouble. Someone snuck out. Someone this. So again, that goes back to my trick. I didn't say in the beginning. I would in the classroom and as a youth pastor, and, and it wasn't hard. I, I sometimes really meant it, but I knew in order to keep control, there's every once in a while I needed to just suddenly look like I was nuts. Right, freak anger. out, yeah. go bad cop on. Yeah. And just do it, and then immediately switch back to like, all right, guys, you know, and then they and make them feel is he, is he, is he okay? Like, yeah. can he just do that anytime? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can't. So don't don't make me snap. Right? Yeah, don't make me snap. <laughs> and if you don't make me snap, I'll be the most fun teacher and youth pastor you ever had. But if you cross this boundary, I will yeah. I will push you back across it. Yeah. Not literally, guys. I didn't push any kids. No, we're not talking literal. Um, we're not talking about a literal weight behind him when he's driving the bus either. No, he wasn't driving kids I to wasn't fat camp. <laughs> This is a it's a metaphysical like a wow. <laughs> you held that when I said it. You've been holding it just, and I set you right up with literal. You did. Wow, that worked. That's that. That's uh, kids. I feel your weight back there. I'm gonna need y'all to switch places. I don't. <laughs> We're going around a big curve. Uh, Could you guys all switch to one? Unsight. Yeah, that's funny. But I just I think that there's that. I look back at it and go, it was what it was, and it was great. But yeah. I I want to say again, and this is not. I mean, this is part of the amends. If there are kids who ever hear this, like, I recognize that I might not um, agree with, like you said, the accuracy of the story. Yeah. But I now feel, I guess, empathy towards the feeling in your teenage years that you may have had right. under whatever happened in my yeah. ministry. And so I would like to justify. I like to be like, oh, we didn't do that. We loved kids a lot. And we did. And, and all those things, we tried to do it right. But just like a classroom. still made mistakes just and like it's parents, okay. Yeah. Like there are kids that are hurt out there yeah. or have, carry some wound that I'm a part of. Right. Though I tried with everything inside not to be. And I think it's just okay to go, hey, you know, listen, I've one, I apologize. And if you ever want to call and talk about it, I'm willing to listen. If we I, need a hotline number to go across here. If you've been you damaged email, by John Driver. Me. You can email me at john at johndriver.com. That's fine. Yeah. And I'll listen. You may be entitled to compensation. You, <laughs> Lord, I hope not. Because <laughs> uh, there's not a lot entitled of Entitled to an apology. That's good enough. But yeah, I mean, I think to say, now here's the thing. I also, there are people in life that I know feel things about me. Yeah. And in my old days, I would have apologized every time mm-hmm. to try to bring peace. And recovery also taught me that sometimes I was enabling a negative thing in them and actually hurting them worse. Right. So I'm pretty willing to go, let's really look at, if there's a harm I've caused, let's really, really look at it. Um, yeah, there's like a, didn't Martin Luther King talk about like there's a negative piece that's like just the status quo. Right. Instead of like ju- a positive piece, which is justice. Right. Dealing Ju- with it and going, right. hey, listen, right. you're not going to like this. Right. But, it's like when they go to clean out a wound, it's like, it's this is going to hurt. Right. This is already like been 
it's infected and I got to get in here and scrub it out and this is going to be awful, but it will not heal properly unless I do this. Well, when I became a boss, which is by the way, my, I think that particular word, my least favorite part of adulthood. And I don't think I'm a bad boss per se, but there are times I have to make decisions and I just want to apologize because it hurts people I care about. And then I also have to recognize this is this is the real world, though. Right. Like it's part there, of being the boss, there are things I have to do in this situation to protect people in this situation. I have more than one person I have to think about. Yeah, <laughs> more than one situation I have to think. I about. think you think that you're the boss of me, don't you, Johnny? I I'm not apologizing. Are you getting ready to have a hard conversation? I'm not apologizing for being your boss, <laughs> and uh, Johnny, you're fired. Let me just say, who started the podcast today? <laughs> I think that's a little usurping going on. Usurp is a weird word. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like. Surping is what you're doing. Yeah. Hey, bro, how dare Don't you usurp me? How dare you try to usurp up in here? Yeah. I mean, use syrup. It sounds like you're going to use usurp. syrup. You pour syrup on whoever would, you're trying to overthrow. Hey. It would work. I would love to be usurped. If you were trying to overthrow, like, a coup, if you were trying to, a coup is another great word, which is like, you know, right. sounds like birds are taking over the capital. But you go in there and you pour syrup on the whatever. Now he's sticky. He can't move. Or he loves it. That's he's true. licking his arm and stuff. He gets diabetes. Now he's easy yeah, to it's, it's he's easy to conquer. It play. is a long play. Yeah, you're gonna. Hey, thinking of taking over the the country? Use syrup. Use syrup. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a little butter you, on there. Brought to you by. Yeah, <laughs> talk about that. We would also like to say that we did not endorse the overthrowing of the government by use of any no condiments. No anything. Any yeah. Don't use syrup. Don't no. use. Is syrup a condiment? You know what? Just how about we follow the laws and we go through the normal channels? And then we enact systemic change through the proper channels if possible. How about that? Have you ever thought about that, Johnny? <laughs> Think about that. That's the next. That's for that's, the real. That's the thinking man's podcast. version of this podcast. Right. We talk about that, but we're just, oh, it's just verbal right. diarrhea. When you want to think about it, go to think about that. Think about that podcast.com. I bet we really could start zero archived episodes. What if we a spinoff? What if we started a new podcast and we Uh sunsetted? That's a nice way. Like that, we're going to sunset this podcast. We usurp this one, right? What we really do. Hey guys, this has been so great. We're going to sunset it. We're going to retire it. We're going to yeah. And then another other uglier podcast appears, like a mythological creature. We've lopped the head off, and another one just appears. That got dark. I was thinking more like we just relaunch, knowing all that we know now. Think about that. How would we do things differently if we're starting a podcast today? And the answer is, mm. I think we've learned. Very do you think we have little. amends to make just from the five years that we've been doing this? We've oh, already got. Well, like, you and I talk about it off the air all the time. I wonder. I've look, never listened. I don't want to go back. Now we have people who will listen to the first episodes and go, "We love the, we love this," and yeah. I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, I said that!" Like, I, there's no way to. Well, I not everything can't age perfectly. I can't even watch five year old stand up clips. Yeah. Because my act is just different. I can't and watch my old sermons. If I watch old sermons, I'll go. That was a good point. Also, your entire approach is completely different from what you do today. Yeah. You know, like it's a very. By the huh. way, you were in church Sunday, weren't you? I was. Uh, who preached for thirty-two minutes? You did thirty-two. Yeah. I mean, guys, that's low for me. If y'all didn't know, that is maybe high for your pastor. We made it out of there so fast. I've been getting. I've been going pretty short, and I would like to be acknowledged for it because people are like, "Yeah, long-winded preacher." And then it was when like, you do it, like eleven fourteen or something, you were. Done. I usually get us out by like eleven fifteen right now. And I don't know if it's even worth it. You know, if I'm not going to start getting credit for it, uh-huh. I'm just going to go back to my old ways. Listen, I can exegete a lot longer if you'd like. I did <laughs> use a word. I used one term. The Christological hermeneutic. You did say Christological hermeneutic. And you I, said it more than once. But I set it up. I said this. You set it up by saying be, it's a fifty cent phrase. It's the one thing I want to give you today for Father's Day. You can go home and show off at dinner. There was a know. little snickering though. Yeah, it was Christological hermeneutic. It came from, came from me. I snickered. You snickered. Christologicalhermeneutic.com. <laughs> it sounds. It does. It sounds very fancy. Well, it's not, I didn't make it up. Right. No. But it's, the, it's reading scripture through the lens of not just like Jesus, but the, like. All the things that pertain to Jesus, like it's right. how you don't using grab. that as your prism of thought rather than being like, okay, here's the God of the Old Testament, here's the God of the New Testament, like right. think Jesus is a through line through the whole story. Ooh, here's a scripture where I can justify slavery. Ooh, here's a scripture where I can justify abusing women. Ooh, here, right. Christological hermeneutic removes all of that because how did Jesus treat those situations? How did he treat people? How yeah. did he, you know, how did he respond to God? What was his attitude? His disposition, you know, his. So yeah, if you if you know that Jesus is humble and gentle as he said come to me for i am 
lowly and humble in heart. Anyway, gentle and lowly. <sighs> you didn't. You were like, I've already heard this once. I'm done with it. I'm so. No, I've been trying to work Christological hermeneutic into everyday phrases ever since then. It's not working. Is it not? No. Well, you just did it. Well, I did, but yeah, we're just referencing it. It's oh. kind of like in the spelling bee when you say, use it in a sentence, and they go, spell no. the word. Yeah. Right, right. It doesn't work. Yeah, those are my favorite old bits of yours. I need to bring it back. It's, a, it's hard, though, because that's a bit where I need them to cue the sound the effect. Audio, yeah. And if they get it wrong, the whole bit, just a big, I'm just out there. There's got to be a tech way now where you can fire it. From I can fire it, and it'll clicker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, it's, if a comedian has no, a clicker. I, no, I am a substitute teacher for yeah. real. I'm just hanging out there. Hey, guys, I got some slideshows for you. Like a picture of you and your bikini comes up and you're like, Why? I did use a picture of me. I did a homeschool. Um, it was like a dinner. Yeah. These kids all go to like some play or something and they come back and I did comedy. It was like a, they call it classical conversations. They go to a fancy restaurant. Nice. Then they normally go to like the opera. But all those things were like COVID regulations were intact. So wow. they were like, no, we're not wearing masks. So they invited me to come. So they came back to the church and I did the thing. All that said, I was getting ready and I thought, you know, I was homeschooled my last two years and we had like a prom kind of a thing like this. Yeah. And I have a photo from that and it's me and my brother in yeah. suits. Oh, I've seen it. Rayon suits and we have flowing mullets. Like, like down to your, past your shoulders. Glorious mullets. Oh my Like gosh. half a bottle of conditioner a day to detangle this thing. And it was shiny. Uh, oh, it's like a horse's mane. And uh, it's one of those photos, where, and I used it to kind of show, and I had them put it on the screen, because it's one of those photos I thought, I want to show them that, like, this is the kind of stuff you think you'll never get over when you're a kid, and now it's something that I think is so funny that I want to show it to other kids. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, I want to get a laugh from this, and also, here's a life lesson. Yeah. What you think is so important right now is not important, and the stuff that you think is unimportant is probably the biggest stuff, you know. But anyway, that was... That's just one of those photos where I thought it was so embarrassing when, you know, as I got older and then I, and when I came, became a comedian, I was like, I got to find that old photo. Yeah. That just shows you're kind of like, I want to find that vulnerability, that, that point of like, how can I show them that if I take myself down a notch in front of them, this will yeah. ingratiate me to them maybe a little and bit. And instead they bullied you. To they did. They were like, oh my gosh, yeah. this guy. You that didn't listen to There used all. to be a comedian that had a bit about, um walking through he had really bad acne as a kid yeah and he was a writer for Saturday Night Live named Fred Wolf and he said I had this horrible acne as a kid and I had terrible like anxiety about it and self-esteem issues and he goes and one day I was walking through the mall and I had my head down like I normally do and I was just like really just trying to get through there and I look up and I see a guy in a wheelchair and he's got no arms and no legs and there's a guy pushing him I was like here I am worried about a few pimples this guy's got no arms and no legs and I remember as I walked past him he looked up to the guy who was pushing him and said did you see that kid's face <laughs> <sighs> I kind of felt that coming. You felt that coming. That was good. Yeah. That was good. A little misdirection. Yeah. And then yeah. really, heartstrings. It really tugs. Do you think? Yeah. yeah. When you, that's yeah. the kind of. That's good. Just set them up and just clobber them. But anyway, uh, I need to, we need to post that mullet photo. I need to post it on our Twitter account or our Instagram. You know what some of the. It's a throwback Thursday. You know what some of the kids are doing one. now. Right. The boys have mullets again. I know. And they're, they're also, back. they're getting perms. No, they're not. They're getting perms, Johnny. The boys are getting perms. I'm not saying it's good or bad. <sighs> I'm just saying. I feel it's like cyclical. It really does that's come around. Gonna be, that's going to be somebody's future. There are a few things photo. that have never come back, though. I've noticed like parachute pants never really came back. Uh, I think someone told me they saw someone in them the other day. Really? Yeah. Because oh, I've seen like nylon warm-up pants, but these were parachute pants were different. They yeah. were. Uh, I really regret wearing them yeah. to school. Well, we had hammer pants. Yeah. You think hammer pants will come back? Like I, genie pants? I regret. I can. You got room to put groceries in the crotch you, of those things? You know that whole thing you say where you stand in the shower and you think back to middle school and you go, oh, yeah, that's can. what I do. When you say hammer pants, I'm like, ooh, because mine were purple. And I had like a purple, like. Mine were purple. It too. was like a Z Cavaricci button up rayon. See, we're five, what's shirt. funny is we're five years apart. There's a chance that we have the same pair of hammer pants and I gave mine to Goodwill. Oh. And they made their. Wouldn't that no, be interesting? I bought mine at the mall, I remember. With my own money, I think. I wasted money on that. That's true. That. Would you get hammer pants at Goodwill? I don't think so. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, was a, I had a skateboard season, too. See, that was really? cool. Oh, yeah. Vision Streetwear. Or you... Tony Hawk board. Like, okay. That, 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 that I could go back and be like, cool. You know, that's, the grunge stuff still kind of sticks. Everybody's listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. You know, and... Uh, Were you good at... Give it away, give it away, give it, you know that. Were you good at skateboarding? Uh, yeah, I was all right. I wasn't like a... Could you do a little ollie and a little... I never ollie Kick well. flips. Now, back then, the skateboards were only only the backside elevated. 
Okay. Oh, it had a little rampy. Yeah, the front was just flat. Yeah. So now both sides for people when I see them, yeah. I, I feel. But no, I mean, here's the thing. I could like, we were like, we would go skateboard down the road for a mile, you know, kind of thing and go down the hill and, you know, yeah, I could Then you got to go back though. That's not. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I, don't great. I, wasn't I was more great. of a motorized. I wanted to, I mean, I had a bike, but skateboarding just felt very unstable to me. Yeah, I, Maybe it's my center of gravity was we, we wonky. Were, we wore no helmets. I got a big butt. I just don't feel like a skateboard. I was always like, even when I was like, I look back at photos of myself in like high school and junior high, and I thought I was so fat, and I was just like a normal kid, but I always had a big butt. Like, I always had the butt where, like, even when I had like a 34-inch waist, the pockets would like flare, like nice. a, like the lizard that the, you see the lizard <laughs> running? I had those kind of pockets. Like, I'd wow. wear pants that fit, the waist fit, but my butt just made the pockets go, pow, pow. That's, I got a flare. I need a zip-up pocket that just kind of hugs. and you, you See, I basically, me. my entire life, my legs basically just go straight into my back. Like, okay. I don't really. No butt. Yeah. We need, like, a to meet a happy middle. It's. Uh, it would be a happy. It would be a happy. <laughs> <sighs> I'll, I'll loan you some. Thank you. We'll share glutes. Like a glute sharing program. I don't. Is that, you know when I've lived this long. You don't want to? No. You don't want to inject some of my butt fat into your butt? I, no. Are you sure? I can tell you right now definitively John, that... It was my birthday. <laughs> you said... It was, the, it was the weirdest... You said whatever I wanted to do. It's the weirdest question <laughs> that I've ever been asked. <laughs> I'm like I'm going to edit this whole episode. I'm now. offering you a free gift. <laughs> I feel... Uh, it's fine. Number one, I don't know what our blood types are. That's true. That's weird. Number well, no, I'm not saying I'll do the surgery. Well, Come on in. <laughs> I got a shop back. Like, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to. Listen, I, at this point in my life. You're just, you're ready to just, I'm, uh, listen, whatever I, your butt I, is, I'm that's exer- what your I'm butt exercising, is. exercising. But you don't do like squats and stuff to try to get it. No, but you know what? You just told me the whole thing I'm doing right now with running is like bad for my heart. At least that's one article. All this. That's one article. There is, what's funny is that the article said that the, presupposition was that running was bad for women long distance running was bad for women and they're showing that it actually is good for women that it re- reduces their vascular age by like eight years uh. and men can lose 10 years off their life like they said they looked at men's heart valves and stuff and they said they were way stiffer and more rigid than we uh. thought more cow- now again Please, that could the be- one thing i want to do can uh. i can i just have i don't my think one you thing? can i think if you read this article it's going to be like people who run 25 miles a week i'm running 12 to 15 that's what i'm saying i think you're under the you don't but count. you're making that up. Like you already said, you have, you're corroborating what you want me to. Yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah, I am. <laughs> well, think about. But here's the deal: what if you don't run at all? Now you gain 50 pounds. Now you're at a heart risk because. Yeah, of, see what I'm saying? Like you got to just choose your. Can I just get a pill? <laughs> like seriously, we don't. We're there. We are. We're getting those. Give me the pill. Okay. I mean, I will still do some some work. But you want to? What, what, what do you want the pill to do again? I want it to keep me from having a heart attack. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like. Right. I want to. Can I just say this for a second before we close? Because this is this is <laughs> this is like a thing. Because I am, I have my blood drawn, all the stuff with my family history, and right. there's a lot of. I've been on a, a statin since I was like 21. I just changed statins, and now they're looking at the particle sizes of your cholesterol. Oh, so really? Familiar familial cholesterol. Familiar cholesterol is a different thing. Like, <laughs> totally. I've seen that. I've seen I've that seen cholesterol that guy somewhere. HDL, I see. You. Anyway, uh, it, it's it could be different and affect differently versus small particles versus big fluffy particles, and so I'm having all kinds okay. of there's all kinds of new, you know, sort of studies about it. So I'm in the middle of that, and I think I said to my doctor the day I was like, "Here's what I can't understand: when when my wife was pregnant with my daughter, they were like, look, son, when a man and a woman love each other very much.' <laughs> I was like." I saw her face. Yeah. I saw her 3D uh-huh. face. Yeah. Like a video. Uh-huh. She could look at me and smile and give a thumbs up. Right. And you're telling me you can't take any sort of imaging. You're going to wait to see if I start having symptoms. Right, before you can do anything. And I know about I sound like a guy with a, cons- with a conspiracy, and I'm not. But you're going to wait till I start having symptoms and possibly have heart damage. Yeah. You're going to do an EKG to see if it sounds like it's working right. Right. But like... Could you not just, I don't know. Take a picture of my heart. 3D image my heart like you can every other organ or, or a small human inside of people. Yeah. And like, I don't know, look at the valves, yeah. look at the stuff and tell me if it's working right or not. I could just lay here uh-huh. and you could do it. But instead, we're going to wait until something seems off. All right. Then you're going to go through my femoral artery with 
with, with a, a risky procedure, an arteriogram, mm-hmm. go up into the vessel to like mm-hmm. surely technology. Right. Like, can you not just? I mean, I can go to the airport and they can do a bone scan, basically be going through there. They can see through my clothes. And like, come on, guys. Right. Come to my house. I'll give you some butt fat. Like, <laughs> Johnny's giving away free butt fat. I mean, meanwhile, they can't fix your heart. Get out of here. I know. And it sounds, I know, I know I'm a medical Neanderthal. I understand maybe, but I just want to go, guys, let's every, especially men. Yeah. Every man at 45, we should start scanning their hearts every year from there forward. Yeah. And then if we see a problem, then you go in and stint it before it's a pr- – anyway. When I'm president. That's the first. It's going to be your whole platform. Number one. Yeah. Heart scans. It's probably not going to happen. I don't know. I mean, if you're, a, if you're a medical person out there. Yeah. I mean, hey, I will fund the study. How yeah. about that? With the Patreon money that comes in from Talk About That, which – if someone wanted to donate to the heart study through Patreon, Johnny, how would they even do that? Talk about that podcast.com. All of our uh, stuff is linked. Our Patreon account is linked there. Go to our link trees. You can find out about John's books and his upcoming releases. Find out about my social media. Follow me there. Find clips and dates. If you want me to bring, if you want to bring me to your event, yeah. I do events all the time. Come do that. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, if you just want to send us a note. You can send that yeah. uh, there. So, yeah, go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Make sure you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. That's great. That helps. That does. It helps the algorithm find us. Yeah. The, the nameless, faceless, right. whatever. Sentient. Yeah. yeah. Being that controls how famous we get. Yeah. That's okay. Whatever. It's what it is. We put itself in its able hands. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, you can also, uh, if you'd like a free book, I gave away some more books this week. So uh, email me, John, at johndriver.com. Just a giver, uh, all John. All I ask for is uh, uh, an honest review on Amazon. And if you That's have fair. that book, you know, and, and some of you, I saw your reviews this week. Thank you. Uh, but if you've read it and haven't put that review. Uh, then you've not helped your end of the bargain. Yeah, I need Don't. Book. Listen, John's already said that he can go a little... Don't yeah. don't bring crazy John out. You don't want me to. You do. I promise you, you do, you do not, not want to fight. Him. Want to fight me? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna need that book back. So yeah, it's like the yeah. Yeah, I'm just, time, ki- I'm just need, kidding. If you've I'm not good. done your part, send the book back. Yeah. Uh, what to be totally fine? The spines I've been broken. Right. They're like we they read the introduction. They did not read this your book. Your prologue was. <laughs> I don't think there is a prologue. <laughs> An amateur log. Hi, oh, is he right? Hey, guys, of course he's right. And he'll be right again next week when we join you again on Talk About That. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.